episode 20 of the Bearded Carcast from Charlotte, North Carolina and Rock Hill, South Carolina. Welcome to the Two Bearded states. Carcast. Yes. Yes, with the complex carbohydrate, I am Mike Pacheco. <laughs> this is the well, Bearded Carcast. Th- this is this is one of the more unique Bearded Carcasts. We've yeah. done Carcasts from uh, a lot of different places around the entire country, and we've done them in the car, and we've done them yeah. in some studios. But uh, I think this is the furthest distance apart we have done a bearded mm, car gas. Yes. And while That's we right. will get to Winthrop's 82-61 win over Longwood shortly, Winthrop is going to play Campbell in the Big South Championship game. For those that weren't listening on the radio tonight, and, and quite honestly, I, I have no idea why anyone wasn't listening on the radio, right. but for those that decided to tune in to the ESPN Plus broadcast, That's right. where they were surely looking for Mr. They've got the Larry Bird 33-point lead. (laughs) They didn't find him. They did not find him. He was not there. Uh, Where uh, was that guy? That guy was at home. At home. Yeah, a victim of uh, COVID-19. Now, fortunately, not uh, stricken with the uh, COVID-19 virus. At least not yet. We don't think we are. Uh, I, I equated this to, to a friend today. It's like third-hand smoke contact tracing. So uh, essentially, uh, my, friends play, uh, my, my son John's on a sports team at school. One of the kids uh, that uh, was on the field tested positive either sometime Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. And so uh, essentially, long story short, the entire team is uh, home for a week. Uh, and so anyway... Uh, you know, doing the due diligence, I just kind of alerted everybody uh, up the food chain at Winthrop, and powers at B uh, just thought out of an abundance of caution, um, it would be best if um, if I stayed home. Uh, well, you missed one key detail. Yeah, you went and got a negative COVID test. Right. Uh, well, what I learned in both that conversation and in talking to the rapid COVID test people yesterday, um, it was maybe a little bit premature to get that test. Uh, not that I shouldn't say premature. Uh, it just that, it doesn't guarantee anything. Doesn't guarantee anything. So uh, now I will be good to go on Sunday, presuming um, I pass a test over the weekend. Which, again, right now none of us have symptoms. We feel fine. So uh, hopefully that's the plan right now. Is that I will be with you on Sunday. Well, you know my wife and I are big fans of you and we've enjoyed the company of you and your family for a long, long time. She sent me a text midway through the second half today and said, if Winthrop goes to Indianapolis, I want you to pack Bjorn and Keon in your luggage and bring them with you. I had <laughs> a lot of fun working with those guys. I obviously always have a ton of fun working with you, but uh, it was a night of legends at the Coliseum. We saw Chandler Vaudron flirt with another triple-double after he had one on uh, Monday in the quarterfinals. And, and the numbers on this are staggering. I read the entire list on the air tonight of players who have had five or more career Division One triple-doubles, and there are only six of them. And Chan has four triple doubles in only two years and today came within what one assist and and two rebounds of another one so chan is going to be a winthrop legend and 
Keon and Bjorn are two of the whatever it is, 25 guys in school history to score a thousand points. They're Winthrop legends. And then after the game, Michael Jenkins comes out of the stands and hangs out and and says hello and talks with us for a few minutes. And and I've always loved Mike Jenkins. I love his confidence. I love the way he improved as a basketball player, but but it is that confidence and that swagger that kind of makes him so great. We're in a pandemic and everyone working here is trying to do the best job possible. And he walks down to the court right after the game and somebody probably just trying to do their job says, "Um, are you with the team or are you allowed down here? And he points up to the enormous <laughs> sign of him at the bottom of section 107. It's like, I'm that guy. <laughs> like, like he points up into the rafters. He's like, there are four championship banners that I'm responsible <laughs> for here. So n- needless to say, uh, they let him in. He, they, yeah, they, they, they let him, they let him down. And we were debating on the post-game show who the Comporium Communications player of the game would be. And I think he'd go for 16 points, eight rebounds, nine assists on seven to 10 shooting. That's Chandler Vaudrin's line. And you got a pretty good argument, but Chuck Falden, the senior guard, 19 points, six and nine shooting five is seven from three. And Keon voted for, Chuck and Bjorn voted for Chan and and I was going to vote for Chan, but it was right about the time that Mike Jenkins came down and, you know, he doesn't have a microphone. And I say, Mike, look at the box score. Who do you think? And he goes, the dude that scored 19 points and never actually has the ball that someone else has to pass him the ball. Like, like what a percentage of time when he had the ball, was he scoring points? And and it's kind of an interesting point. Now, obviously it has to come from sure. a scoring guard. I mean, yeah. Mike played off guard. Chris Gaynor played right. point guard. Right. Mike would tell you that Chris Gaynor was great because Mike and Terrell shot the ball in when Chris threw right. it to right. him. Right. Chris would tell you that they were great because he put them in great positions to score points. But right. it's kind of a fun debate. That's well, a great debate. For me, it comes down to the uh, nine assists. So that leads to a minimum of 18 points. So now you're accounting for 34 points against 19. But, you know, uh, you know, Chuck kind of came out firing, hit the first bucket of the game and really helped set the tone. And, you know, it was such an interesting game because it was – and really the last two games, Dave, have kind of been the epitome of what we saw – in the first, you know, month, month and a half, where Winter was just, you know, getting out and putting their 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 feet on people's throats, and you know, it got down to about three points with, um, I don't know, about seven, you know, eight and a half minutes to go in the first half, and then Longwood scored with about five minutes to go in the half, and then they did not score again until, uh, what was it like, twelve, twelve? 1230 in the in the second half I mean they they essentially went 12 and a half minutes uh without without scoring a point yeah it, it's sort of incredible the way they had that terrific defense slash battle longwood offense for that prolonged period of time what's interesting is when you look at the box score in the second half Winthrop shot 33 percent from the floor and 21 percent from the three-point line so, so their offense in the second half wasn't very good but by the time that 
Longwood started scoring, the game was over. It was a, a 25 point game and, yeah. and it, it didn't matter. And then Winthrop got to the line a ton. They were 19 to 24 at the line. Well, Longwood went five of 13 and Longwood gave it away 17 times, all those turnovers. And I mean, it wasn't easy, but it was easy. Yeah, it was. It was the game they needed to, you know, and I don't know if this is something that, you know, maybe the players think about. It. I don't know if coaches do. Maybe they're concerned that the players think about this. But, you know, you have to look at it if you're Campbell. I mean, you come in to this game, and they didn't play particularly um, – well, one game was close, right, with Winthrop, but the other game wasn't. And right. That, that first game – was a one point game, but it's but a little deceptive. deceiving. Yeah, yeah, because it was a two possession game in the first, in the final like four seconds, and Winthrop kind of just let them have an easy inbound, and they they hit a three to make it a one point game. Right, there was no point down the stretch in the game that Campbell had the ball and could tire right. take the lead. Right. So right. hey, I mean, a one point game, a two point game, a three point game, a four point game. Those are those are close games, right. but. At no point did you think, oh, my God, Campbell has, you know, a chance to tie it here. That that wasn't the case. No. And that being well, – I was just going to say, that, just to finish my thought. So, that, I mean, they're they're playing really well, too. Um, you know, they went from being, you know, kind of hovered around 500 to, to to move up to the three seed. So they're playing great. But they have to look around at Winthrop and just be like, wow. You know, they're blowing teams out. And, you know, you know except for a poor shooting night and a poor three-point shooting night, against Asheville, this team could be undefeated. Yeah, I mean, Winthrop has played terrific ball for large swaths of the season. And, and I think we talked about it after the podcast on Monday, that it's kind of broken up into two. There's that first half of the year when they had the unbelievable offense and the okay defense. And then the second half of the year where they've played okay offense and tremendous defense. And then the two tournament games, really both sides have looked pretty good, the offense yeah. and the defense. But they're playing a Longwood team that – I'm sorry, a Campbell team that's drastically different sure. than when we saw right. them. Jesus Carolero played only 12 minutes tonight, and Josh Lusain, who got hurt in the first game against mm. Winthrop, played 27 minutes. Yeah. He had a big and, game, yeah. I mean, did did you watch any of it or not? No, I did not. I was uh, I was cooking. Uh, I was in charge of dinner tonight since I was home. Oh, so, so yeah, exactly. If you if you're not working, yeah. you're going to be put to work. Put to work, put yeah. to work at yeah. home. I watched the first half of Campbell and Radford uh, here courtside before the Winthrop game tipped off, and I texted our friend Stan Cole, the longtime SID Sports Information Director at Campbell, and I said. Well, you guys are up 12. You could be up 20. Mm. I mean, they they weren't the better team by a little bit. They were the better team by by a, a huge lot, yeah. margin. I mean, they shot 59% for the game. They were 7 of 14 on threes. They out-rebounded Radford, who's a really good rebounding team. But to me, and, and I didn't know any of this. I wasn't looking at the stats when I was watching the game. They were so bought in, and they are running a system that, Sure, it's a little bit unorthodox. You don't see it a ton, the Princeton offense. They are working as one. They are five individuals. This is beautiful basketball that, that anyone who has ever watched the sport dating back 100 years can relate to. It's pass and cut and catch and look and read the defense. I mean, it, it is really kind of spectacular when – 
it works and it is really working for Campbell. I think you and I both thought going into the the game on Monday, the high point game, Winthrop's a lot better than a high point and this is going to be lopsided. I didn't have a real feel for tonight's game against Longwood. I knew they had been playing much better. I watched the tape of the Asheville game, but but UNCA was without some players and without their coach. They had that long COVID break. I just, I, I wasn't sure what to make of Longwood. Based on watching only a half of Campbell, I, I would be absolutely shocked if it's not a really competitive game that now that's not to say the Winthrop's not going to win that's not to say the Winthrop's not going to win going away but I do not think Campbell comes in intimidated I do not think they come in thinking that they're the underdog they are playing great they are playing as a unit they have a system and they are a hundred percent bought in that's scary when Winthrop played Campbell in the championship game what was that 2017 four years ago Mm -hmm. That, that was Campbell having to play like four games in five or yeah. six days. And they had Chris Clemens. They had that one guy. But you just felt like if you could come anywhere remotely close to containing him, there wasn't there wasn't anyone that was going to beat you. This team is the complete opposite. I don't think you look at Cedric Henderson or Clemens or, or Whitfield. I don't think you look at any of them and you go, oh, my God, this guy's going to put 40 on you. I think you go, oh, my God, they might have seven guys that all score 12 points. I mean, they, they, yeah. they look the part. They are playing selfish ball. Now, you can say a lot of the same things about Winthrop. On any given day, they've got an entire roster that can score 10 or 12 or 15 points. And they also have guys that can score 20 points. But Campbell looks like they should be in the championship game. And Pat Kelsey said after the game tonight, you know, these are the two best teams yeah. that are playing the best right now, and they both deserve to be there. Yeah. yeah, he said these are probably the two teams that should be in the in the finals. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be competitive. You know, I, I do think that, you know, and this is obviously from a pro-Winthrop perspective because we've seen a lot of them, Dave. I mean, I think the, the one thing that Campbell does not have is the just the, you know, they they, they might have a, a a weapon that has, you know, three guns and maybe a, you know, a machine gun, you know, but Winthrop, you know, has like, you know, missile launchers and cruise missiles and you can go inside with DJ Burns. I mean, it's still, I th- I, mean, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's going to be competitive. It's going to be a hard fought game. Um, but I think that they should be concerned about Winthrop. To be honest with you. I want you to know, and you know how I feel, and we could talk about this on the podcast, but it could get nasty to some degree, so we'll stay away from it. You know that I have very strong opinions about sports information directors, and the people that I like, I really, really, really like, and the people I don't like, yeah. I really, right, really, right, right. really don't like. Well, you and avoided it, those I, people. <laughs> it ha- Yeah, well, right. I mean, I, I said to uh, th- th- there's a guy – uh, that works as kind of the the team photographer for like every team within a 200 mile oh, yeah, radius yeah. of here. Tim Cowie, Tim he's Cowie, a yep. great, great guy. guy. Yeah. I love him, and I, and I love several things about him. But one of them is like he's always at the game really early, which yeah. is how I approach it. And he 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 does what he says he's going to do, and he's super dependable. And before the game tonight. Uh, hours before the game tonight at four o'clock today before a seven thirty game, he and I were talking about 
just how different athletic teams are run and the challenges, the pandemic, and just a lot of what we've witnessed throughout the year, because like us, he travels a lot and he's out a lot of games and he's mm-hmm. dealing with some places you have to get a COVID test and some places you have to wear a mask and some places, you know, you have to get your temperature taken and just kind of all of those various things. And I was kind of just curious about what he's experiencing, who has cut him back and who has done more yeah. with them and, and so forth and so on. And we were talking about the potential Big South championship game. If Winthrop won, you know, they would play either Campbell or Radford and who we liked from the teams. And I told him, I'm just like, you know, it would probably be an easier broadcast for us if Radford wins. We just played him a couple weeks ago and I'm very comfortable and familiar with their team because Winthrop played them after like a two week break. So I had watched like three or four of their games on film and then we saw him play twice and Winthrop hasn't played Campbell since December and you know you have to really go back and try to remember everything and so forth and so on and I'm like but you know what a part of me thinks that I prefer to play Campbell because Stan Cole is the SID he's the best of all time I love him and before Winthrop's game ends we'll have every piece of information you could and right before you and I started this podcast it's 11 23 p.m. Uh, Stan Cole sent me an email and there are only about 10 words in the email. Dave, I'll have notes to you around midday tomorrow. See you Sunday. And the, the title of the email is I'll be surprised if there's something you need besides this. And he sent a PDF with 67 pages of, of stats. Yeah. And, and that's, that's my dream come true. That, that, (laughs) that is, that is my happy place where I can now spend the next couple of days just going through yeah. every little piece of minutia on, on Campbell. Yeah. And, and like you've worked at very, very high levels. You worked with the Red Sox and you know how helpful good media people are. And when I text or email stand back and I say, Hey, I'm broadcasting a football game on Saturday. I need to get Kevin McGeehan on a zoom tomorrow yeah. He's going to get back to us and say, yeah, he's available at this time, this time, and this time, which one works for you? Because he's the best. And those people, when they do their job well, are unbelievable allies and assets. And Brett Redden at Winthrop does the same thing for us. He, He gets us so much information. And I'm a pain. I'm always asking, when's the last time this happened? Or hold on, are you sure it's 52 and three when they out rebound opponents by 10? I have it as 54 and two and and we go back and forth. But those are the little details that make it good that, that, that when that big thing happens, you have the note to to magnify it and to to put context behind it and at the red sox level you know those broadcasters would have so much support they would have so much assistance Mm -hmm. and help And, and at this level sometimes you do and sometimes you don't and every time we've ever played campbell it's just been it's been a pleasure and and you know, obviously, I don't know, maybe Radford would have been a better matchup for Winthrop and maybe Campbell's better matchup. But from our standpoint, boy, it's nice to have support like that. Yeah, and it really does it makes things just so much easier. And it's, you know, I, I think at our level, and, and you and I kind of like this anyway, um, you know, there are times where we like to dig and, and get our own information, but uh, it makes you appreciate when, you, when you're in those situations when you have 
a lot of stuff handed to you. It makes you when we do what we do. I think it makes it appreciate what what people do for us even more because we know it. We kind of understand what they're what they're going through, and you know, especially in these days, you know, this is not an easy time um, with you know the schools cutting back and in in that area, you know, with with um, the economy and stuff like that. So it's yeah, it's special when you have people that do their jobs at a high level. Okay, so what was it like? You're supposed to be here broadcasting the game for 15 years, more or less, when Winthrop has played a game of significance, a big game. Either you've been next to me, well, you've kind of been next to me either on the air with me or or, or, or on the other. 15 feet away. Yeah, yeah, you're either to my right on the radio or to my left doing TV. What did it feel like? You know, it's funny. Sam and I were talking about this before the game started. I was like, when was the last time I actually watched a game that I wasn't at, like, you know, or that I sh- could have been at or should have been at. And it wasn't that, um, the last time I remember being in a situation like this was, um, long time ago. I think it was the Steph Curry at the Coliseum game when I had to do a women's a winter women's game at coastal Carolina. And so I remember that game for Antoine Harris's flagrant foul. And like when I think of what a flagrant foul is, the word flagrant, it was the most flagrant (laughs) of fouls. He really got his money's worth. But uh, yeah, Sam and I watched that game from uh, we were at Sunset Beach, um, North Carolina, at uh, uh, one of my mother-in-law's friends' houses, uh, their their beach house. And um, that's got to be a decade ago. More than that. Because John was probably yeah. one, two, like it was. <laughs> I mean, it was long, long time ago. It was. Um, so you know, the, so the first half, uh, I was really just, just trying to keep an eye on the TV side of things. Uh, and I do want to give a shout out to to Jim Zoki. Uh, now he did the game uh, on color with me on Monday, and um, you know, you know, we got the call. I don't know what did I call you today, like eleven thirty, eleven fifty. I mean, it was like later in the yeah. morning. Yep. And I called him and I and he answered the phone. He's like, Hey Mike, what's going on? I said, What are you doing tonight? <laughs> and uh, he was ironically getting ready to go to the beach. He's like, I said, Well, listen, we're in a jam here. You know, I, you know, Jim actually lost two games because of COVID, so we were able to pick up get him Mondays. Not not that he had it, but just when Winthrop had games changed and then there was a situation where uh we had a game picked up by ESPN which bumped us off T V uh, so I, I was glad that we were able to get Jim a game, you know, get him a game back. Uh, but then to do the, the play-by-play tonight and on seven hours prep, I mean, now fortunately he'd seen the team on Monday, so he had a good sense of Winthrop and, you know, we, we kind of sent him a lot of information and all the interviews that, that we put together. So, I mean, he was, he had, he had a lot of stuff, but to be able to consume it and then, and you know, the three guys that we had working with me on TV this year, um, because Bobby Stevens, uh, who usually does color on TV with with me you know, opted out this year, uh, but you know Tony Rizzuti and Jim Zoki and Reggie Walker. I mean, three pros, pros guys that work hard. They're good on the air, and uh, you know Jim and Reggie. I mean, it sounded like they'd worked together for ten years. I mean, they were just fantastic. So a tip of the cap to those guys. They they did a great job. But it was, yeah, it was weird. And then um, so so and then at halftime, I kind of kind of regrouped and I was looking at the thing. You know, looking at everything, I was like man, they didn't score the last five minutes of the game. And then it's getting down to like under 14, under 13. Then there was a timeout. And that's why I went back and I looked at the play-by-play. And it's like, man, it's been almost 12 minutes. So that's why I sent you guys that note. Yep. Uh, So I kind of put my SID hat on and and helped out. But, you know, it was – it probably wouldn't – actually, I think because it was 
so lopsided. It wasn't really. I mean, I, you know, you feel like you you miss things, but uh, I think a close game might have been worse. Well, but did when you were watching the TV broadcast, at any point were you thinking this is what I would have said in this moment? Oh, that's or, funny. No, no, I was I was too busy keeping up with my. Uh, I, I had my chart, Dave. <laughs> I'm holding yeah. up to, for the for the people on the podcast. <laughs> but you're so, so you you weren't the. That's interesting. I feel like if I had well, no, no, I did, the, I did. There was actually there was one. There was a DJ Burns dunk, and uh, I didn't hear a taco. I didn't hear if you're not making tacos, I don't love you no more. So that's when I sent you no taco. But you didn't think that you would have said DJ Buckets. I probably would have said DJ Buckets, but they did. They used, <laughs> they, they used DJ Buckets on the TV broadcast, so I felt. I oh, felt they good. did. Yeah. Well, it's nice that they got that in for that's you. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And, and what did you think when you turned over and listened to us? I mean, you've heard you've heard me call games a million times, but this is only the second game that Keon and Bjorn and I have done. The three of us. Right. So the problem is, uh, I'm thinking. So I'm watching the first half, and I'm like, oh, man, I might get Wally pipped here. And, yeah. then, and then I listen to the radio broadcast. I'm like, man, I get, I might get Wally pipped on both broadcasts. Uh, no, I thought I thought Keon and, and Bjorn were, you know, I, you know, it helps that they, you know, played together. They knew each other. So obviously like each other. Uh, they played off each other really well. Uh, you know, I, I think if we could get a full season of those guys working together, uh, I mean, it was, it was a good – it was good, you know. They 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 sometimes they agreed, sometimes they disagreed, but they, they presented it well, and and they they kind of got, you know. I I think they started to get your your humor. I mean, I know Beyond's worked with you before, and, and Keon. Yeah. It, it, this was his like third broadcast with you, so I think yep. they started to, um, kind of figure figure out kind of your, uh, you know, the way you do things, and you know, and I, I you know, and they kind of peeling back the onion. You know, we've gotten a lot of attention this year because of all the stuff that, um, you know, particularly uh, stuff that you've done that's gotten a lot of airtime on the DA show. Uh, but what, what's kind of funny is it's, I mean, that's kind of one piece of the shtick, but the, it's kind of a continuation of what we've been doing for 15 years together. You know, is, is you know, we, we, we kind of hit on something and then we just beat it to death and have fun with it. Uh, and so the, you know, the latest example of that was the DA show drops and it's actually, which is really funny is it's actually kind of created, uh, perhaps a signature call for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, those things are supposed to come organically if they're right. well done. Right. I'm not sure if you'd call this organic, it's kind of bizarre, but, uh, no, but, it, yeah, but, but, but no, but the taco call works and it's because it's because of how you sell it. Now, some of the other stuff is no, you know, like, <laughs> Like, well, what's the get your, get your marriage or something? Or what the what's the marriage one? Yeah, they love that. one. They love that one. Wow. Uh, no, the but the best was and you, if people go back and look for this because it's hilarious. But Ian Eagle, you know, <laughs> D- Dave went to Syracuse. You know, that's where he met Da, and of course, I love Ian Eagle through the Syracuse Mafia. Dave's gotten to know over the years Ian Eagle, and I think he's probably become somewhat of a mentor too. I mean, he's listened to your stuff and. He's someone that you've become friendly with and can share stuff with. But he reacted to the taco call and the the marriage call just beautifully and and <laughs> funny. And, and it cracked up DA. It was great. That, that was awesome. Well, he, uh, Ian is is a very he's funny a good dude. Yeah, 
guy. He's got a great personality and a great character. And yeah, it's it's but, been but, a fun but, little run. But, but somebody stodgy could have heard the taco call and been like, "What in the wide world of sports is that?" <laughs> yeah, he said, "America loves tacos," which I think might be that might be. I'm going to try and incorporate that after the taco. You know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Mexico also loves tacos. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, it, but we, I, we broadcast not... to an American audience, Dave. Is that right? Yeah. I, I believe now I could be wrong about this. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe since our games are available via the World Wide yes, web, yes, you yes. can actually pick them yes. up anywhere. Yes, you can pick them up anywhere. Now we don't have any radio affiliates north or south of right. the border. Well, but, but if I, any th- if any uh you know, if any restaurants or companies in Mexico that are associated with tacos want to sponsor the bearded carcast. We are listener supported right. bearded carcast. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well i'm looking forward to sunday god we have been lucky i mean remember when there was like a three-year drought between when they're getting to the championship game and we were like what is wrong like like how how, like but but this is this now should it happen this would be the first time we've gone back to back since the uh 07 08 seasons right yeah correct correct yeah i mean the bottom line. <laughs> the, the bottom line is, Kels has done a great job. I mean, he he's been in the title game now five times, uh, uh, make it six times in nine seasons. This will be the sixth one. And before that, we were with Randy when he went mm-hmm. to two title games and won them both in five years. And before that, Greg went to seven in nine years and won all seven. It's a pretty remarkable run, and we've been we've been fortunate to be a part of it. I mean, I remember when uh, I don't remember who was uh, somebody somebody in the league went to the NCAA tournament four, five, six years ago, whatever it was, and I sent the broadcaster a note and I said, you know, enjoy the experience; it's the best. And it was a school that you know they they hadn't gone in ten or twenty or thirty years or whatever. And we've come to just expect to be there. I mean, if Winthrop was not in the championship game, and I don't mean now when they're 22 and one, I mean, at the beginning of the year, if you had said they're not going to be in the championship game, what went wrong? Right. Like, like, what, what do you mean? Like, like this was a team that should have been in the championship game from the very beginning of the year. Last year, Winthrop was the two seed. And if they hadn't been in the championship game, it would have been, disappointing i i mean that's where the program is and that's where the program was when greg was around and, and quite frankly i mean randy went to the tournament his first year and his third year right mm-hmm. so so other than the three years randy's fourth year his final year and pat's first year that's the only three-year span in 20 years that Winthrop hasn't been to the championship game because Winthrop went to the championship game in Pat's second year, yeah. third year, fourth and year. fourth yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. I think about that. Yeah. That's it's, we've been very fortunate to be part of this ride. Yeah. But it's, but it's the expectation too. It was, you know, and some of that, you know, obviously it starts with Dr. Giorgio, uh, you know, God rest his soul, but you know, the, the, you know, when he hired Greg Marshall, you know, it was with the expectation that this was the, what they were going to build. 
And when Greg left, you know, you know, Randy went a couple times and that was good. And then, you know, he had back to back seasons where he didn't go. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and kind of disappointing seasons for everybody. Randy would be the first to say it was disappointing. Uh, and then it was time for a change. And then they brought in uh, Pat Kelsey. And that was probably one of the last years that Dr. Giorgio was in charge, right? I mean, yep. So think about that. Yep. I mean, you know, that that's part of his legacy is, is the success that, that Pat had. And, you know, Pat has taken the baton and run with it, too. I mean, let's be honest. No question. I mean, he, he no has, question. Um, you know, we were talking, I was talking about this to some, someone the other day. They were talking about, uh, you know, the program and how great it is. Like, well, you know, I mean, he, he took over. It wasn't in great shape. Uh, I, I was looking at the numbers this morning. When you look at Greg's tenure and Pat's tenure. Well, there's a lot of similarities. Greg won 10 more games yeah. and lost 10 fewer games. Now, that sounds dramatic. That's one game a year. They both have been at Winthrop. Mm -hmm. Greg was there for nine years, and Pat's finishing his ninth year. I mean, that, that's one game difference yeah. a season. Now, the big difference is the tournament. Right. Greg went to seven title games and won all seven. And Pat is now going to his sixth title game. Five, six, seventh title game. No, sixth title game. And he's only won two of them. Well, I mean. But yeah. you could make the argument that the that in some stages, the league's been tougher. Well, and there are more teams. I mean, just from a volume standpoint, right. when Greg was around, there were eight teams. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a little bit tougher. No one's going to look at the two resumes and say that Pat has done a better job than Greg. That being said, Pat's resume is better than every other coach in the history of the league. Yeah, I mean, he, he's the second best coach in the history of the league. And quite frankly, I'm not even sure who you can argue. Eddie Biedenbaugh's got more wins. He coached a whole bunch. What, 15 years? I mean, a long time. Right. Ron Bradley has somewhere around the same number of wins, but wasn't going to the title game and going to the NCAA tournament like this. And Cliff Ellis, Cliff Ellis did, did a great job, and then they changed leagues. So I don't know how you want to equate that, but – you want nine years of really, I, I guess you would say eight years of excellence because the first year yeah. he inherited nothing quite, quite honestly, it was one of his, you know, if we took all nine years and we broke down what's his best coaching job, that team had nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they did not have a lot of talent. And I believe now you correct me if I'm wrong it was a long time ago. I think they won a first round conference tournament game. And then I think they gave Charleston Southern all they wanted in a second round tournament game. And if I'm not mistaken, I could be getting the years mixed up. Didn't they have a bunch of guys out? Wasn't like Larry Brown and James Bourne both got I think that hurt. sounds right, yeah. Reggie King, a walk-on, was, was playing at point yeah, guard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that that team, I mean, you, you talk about the guys on the team. I think Steve Johnson was starting <laughs> at one point. I mean, these are not the legends of, of yeah. Winthrop basketball, and he, he did a really good job. And then from there on in it was in the championship game yeah. competing for championships and i mean re remember the opening press conference and he said 
I'm here to raise banners. Raise, yeah, raise banners. He's raising them. I, I mean, raise I'm still sitting at the Coliseum. Yeah. It's almost midnight, and and there are a whole bunch of them, and I suspect they're going to find room for more. Uh, certainly a regular season title this year, and if they can beat Campbell on on Sunday, then then another tournament title and another NCAA. But, you know, that's why they're not going to sleep for two days because right. they're going to watch Campbell until they're blue in the face. And uh, that's right. I'm interested to be at practice tomorrow. I'm interested to see what it looks like and what they're emphasizing. And uh, this is always the to... best. The, the, anytime you prepare for Campbell under Pat Kelsey is one of the best practices of the year because Pat really gets into the scout team as a member of the scout team in, in helping prepare for the Princeton offense. It's always fun to watch. I, I said that before the game to someone. I said, I'm not sure the Princeton offense scout isn't my favorite favorite pat kelsey scout and i said it to bjorn during a commercial break today and he goes oh yeah he's gonna play the four man he's playing the high post (laughs) yeah that's funny yeah it's funny uh well i I, one way or another we're gonna do another podcast on sunday and i I certainly hope it's i hope i'm there (laughs) yeah well i i hope you're here too but whether you're here or you're not here and uh uh regardless of whether they win or lose we'll we'll talk it over we'll wrap it up and uh we'll have fun with it you know no no one wants to talk about this this is the last thing anyone wants to think about i think they've got a really compelling nit case if they lose on (laughs) sunday uh let's not hope we uh let's not hope we have to talk about that no no that's not i don't want to be on nitology or whatever the joe lenardi for the nit is but but wouldn't you think they would have a good chance at winning that though or at least go get into the final four well i i don't know who would be in i mean you'd be looking at you know the power conference bubble teams that failed to get into the ncaa tournament Mm -hmm. so you know uh that quite honestly like my alma mater who is on the bubble every freaking year you know they lose another game or two don't win a first round acc tournament game do i i think winthrop's better than syracuse i really do i think if the two teams played i think winthrop would win but you know those teams are on the bubble for a reason they're they're good enough you know you're talking about teams like duke and michigan state and kentucky and syracuse right right. but think of the think of the context of the times we're in right like how many now granted they weren't necessarily the top tier teams but how many teams just said, you know what, we're good. We're not doing bowls this year. Right. Right. Yeah. Teams could. So, absolutely. I mean, you know, are there some teams, could there be a team that goes into the tournament that just their head isn't in it? Absolutely. And there could be teams that simply say, we appreciate the invite. We're not we're, going. We're yeah. good. I mean, if, if you're Tom Izzo and you're Mike Krzyzewski and you don't get a bid to the NCAA, do you really want to play during a pandemic in the NIT? That That's completely reasonable. Right. And quite frankly, Maybe Winthrop feels the same way. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I I have not yeah, talked not, to me. Trust, right. trust me. I have not talked to the coaching staff about going to the potential NIT. Yeah, no. And I very much hope we don't have to have that conversation. Right. Right. But, you. you know, I mean, that, that that's the type of thing that, yeah. that we think about because, yeah. that's what I mean, pay to do. there are two possible results on Sunday. I promise you they will either win or lose. <laughs> and if they, if they win, I know exactly how that process works. But if they lose, well, there is something that takes place at that point, too. That reminds me, I think it was Scott Mutrin, uh, one of the final years I was doing BC games, and Dan Henning was the head coach, and they, were, they had a rash of injuries at the quarterback position. He said, 
You know, one thing I will guarantee on Saturday, Boston College will have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I, someone's lining up under center. It doesn't mean they can throw the ball, yeah. but but somebody will be taking the snap. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That, well, that's join, right. Well, if you're listening to this before Sunday, tune in uh, eleven o'clock. We'll have uh, an hour pregame show on WRHI and uh, well, actually, it's on one hundred four point one The Bridge, but you can go through the one hundred four point one The Bridge website and app and listen to all that. If you can't listen on the radio, if you're not uh, in town, we'll we'll be on everywhere. We'll be we'll on be on ESPN Radio in Charlotte, yeah. which is uh, seven thirty a.m. and WGNC AM FM in Gastonia, and uh, you know we we. We could be on CBS radio, maybe not live, but yeah. uh, m- Monday morning, I could imagine. I could imagine there might be some a few, uh, yeah, a few clips Winthrop being played. Cuts. Yeah. I think it's a possibility. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know Andrew Bogus, who works with uh, my friend Damon Amendolara, but uh, he does the updates. He kind of plays the straight man on so the wait, show. Do they have somebody now monitoring all our games, or, or do I, you send? Were you sending in clips? Oh, I'll send in clips, yeah, but okay. but they sometimes have people monitoring the yeah. games. But I mean, if I'm cutting highlights to put on on Twitter, anyways, I might as well just send it to them and right, make right, it easy. Right, right, right. But um, I just like I, the idea I, of I, some I, poor intern having to listen to one well, of Well, I think they did do that at High Point because I didn't send yeah. them anything right. at High Point, and right. I think they did that at Presbyterian too. But we told them we were going to include right, drops right, right, right. in those games. But but Bogus is the sports update anchor, and he kind of plays the straight man on the show. And I love when he does the Winthrop highlights and, you know, they laugh and he adds some context and he says, you know, he loves Adonis arms. arms his name yeah. like, that's right. They actually have a player named Adonis arms as our Winthrop Eagles, Eagles improved yeah. to 22 and one. And then he pauses and he goes in a game of less importance or yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in other games, yeah. we care less yeah, about the Celtics or, beat the Knicks 20, you know, one Oh five. Yeah. He's, he's does a good job. He does a good That's a good show. show. That's a fun, it's a fun, fun group. And we like them primarily because they like us. Well, that's true. <laughs> Bogus well, needs to enter- learn how to we need to get Bogus a pronunciation guide. Yeah, ah, it is what it, it is. What it is. At least DA's got it right, so. Yep. All right. Mike, it's that's been enough fun. for us. Yeah, go home. I need to go home. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. go up to my bed. Yeah. It, it's eleven forty eight. I've been at the Coliseum since I don't know, four o'clock or something. Yeah. So it's time to go home and come right back to practice tomorrow. Yeah, and hopefully we have uh, hot water tomorrow. I'll tell you that story later. Uh, this is the Bearded Carcast. Make sure you send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Follow on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. It is uh, listener-supported Bearded Carcast, so if you want to contribute to the show, uh, the, the, the uh, latest on the auction day for the Bearded Tote, I think Carlisle's had it at uh, $750. So uh, we're, we're trying to see how much money we can raise for the uh, Bearded Carcast Tote. Well, the Bearded Carcast is hoping to make a trip to Indianapolis, and at least one of us, and by one of us, I mean you, has an idea of stopping in Kentucky bourbon country. Yes. So, I- indeed, your money will be going to good places. <laughs> but it won't be for us. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs>